In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and ever, and unto the ages of all ages, Amen. So, a little bit earlier, for those of you who might have missed it, we were introducing the readings, and we were saying that we're starting a new Coptic month, and every month of the Coptic year kind of carries a theme. And it usually carries a theme of like an important, significant event that happens during that month. So a couple of months ago was the Nativity of Christ and the Incarnation, and all of the readings were preparing us for that and were were focused on that. Last month was the baptism of Christ and theophany, the revelation of God, which we celebrated and each each week of the Sundays, each Sunday gospel was focusing on that. Before these next four weeks are up, we will be singing, Jesus Christ fasted for us 40 days and 40 nights. Jesus fasted for us. It's funny, isn't it? We oftentimes think that we are fasting for him. But the church is teaching us that he fasted for us. And there will be opportunity to talk more about that, maybe today or maybe another day. But the church is telling us, it's telling us, and from a beautiful story that happened in the life of Jesus and was recorded by St. John in his gospel in chapter 6, which the part of it here was just read now. But I need to give you the context. Jesus is teaching and he's preaching. And... The people are gathering and the people keep coming and the key people keep coming and he goes from one village to the, to the next and more people keep coming and it gets to a point where there's so many people and it's getting late in the afternoon and Jesus tells his disciples, uh, his disciples tell Jesus, look, you got to send these people home. It's getting late. And uh, if they don't go home soon, they're going to faint along the way. And Jesus says, you give them something to eat. And the, then the, the, you know, one of the you know, uh, quintessential uh, miracles of Christ happens where they, they have nothing. They have no food. They're, 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 in, they're in the wilderness you know, they're, they're you know, on this little mountain, you know, by the Sea of Galilee, but there's, there's nothing there, right, except grass. And Jesus tells them, make them sit down in groups of 50, and he takes five loaves and two fish, and he blesses, and he breaks them, and he feeds the multitude. And they all ate and were filled. Twelve baskets of leftover fragments were taken up by them. And then Jesus tells his disciples, now you can send them away. And when you've done that, you all get in a boat and you cross the Sea of Galilee and go to the other side. Okay, so they were on the east side of the, of the southeast side of the Sea of Galilee. He told his disciples, cross over back to the west side. They were from the west side. They were from Capernaum and Bethsaida. And that's where they were from, that west side of the Sea of Galilee. So he tells them, basically, go back to your fishing towns. I'll meet you there. So the disciples get in the boat, the, the, the multitudes are leaving, Jesus goes further up the mountain to pray. The people see Jesus goes this way and the disciples go that way and they must have asked the disciples, where are you going? The disciples were simple folk. They probably told them, oh, we're going back home, we're going to Capernaum, we're going to Bethsaida, we're going back that way. So they go back. What do the people do? The people race and get 
and, and go to where the disciples are going to be. Jesus goes and prays. The disciples are on the Sea of Galilee and there's, there's waves and there's a storm and they think they're going to die. And it's the middle of the night and Jesus comes to them walking on the water and tells them, oh, ye of little faith, he gets in the boat. And immediately, as soon as he's in the boat, and this was the Gospel of Vespers last night, you see all the Gospels, all the readings are, it's like a chain. One is preparing you for the next. And they end up at the other side. When they get to the other side and it's morning, who do they find there? All the people they fed, all the people who ate dinner. Now they want breakfast, right? And they come to them, where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? And Jesus says something to them, and he's saying the same thing to me. Jesus loves to feed you dinner. Mark my words. He loves to feed you dinner. So does SMSK. But at the same time, Jesus says to them, you didn't come. You didn't come because you heard the word of God. You came for some breakfast. You came for some breakfast. It's okay to feed you dinner and it's okay to feed you breakfast. But I, he's saying, I want to give you something more. And then he says something to us which is so rebuking to me. It's so rebuking to me. He says, you work hard for the food which perishes. How about you start working like that hard or harder? It would be an achievement if I worked half that hard for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son will give you. I just fed you dinner. I will give you. I promise I will give you. You know, and this is the story of our lives. I can't find a job. I pray for a job. I pray for a job. I pray for a job. God gives me a job. I get into the job. God tells me, be a light to the world. Oh, but I can't talk about Jesus, but I can't do this, but I can't do that, right? The same God who provides for our daily needs and our sustenance will provide for us our eternal needs and our eternal sustenance. But we have to participate with him. Grace is a funny thing as we understand it in orthodoxy. The early Christian church for the first more than a thousand years understood it this way. God is willing to give. We have but to ask. We have but to participate. God doesn't want it to be a one-man show. He wants to, you know, he wants there to be participation between us and him in it. And so, and so I do my best, whatever that is, if it's this much or this much or this much or that much, it doesn't matter. It's that the matter, what matters is it's 100% to me. I do my best. I give my all. And then he completes all which is lacking in me. It's so obvious in our prayers that God wishes to give us 
He wishes desperately to give us the kingdom. He says, Jesus tells his disciples, it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. You know, there, there, there's a part of philosophy that is against pleasure, that believes pleasure is evil. And some of this has seeped into Christianity. We don't believe that. We believe that we have pleasure, like things give us pleasure, all kinds of different things give us pleasure. Because God has pleasure. We're created in His image and likeness. But we, see, the distortion has happened in that we have started to take pleasure in something other than God. Whereas God takes pleasure in us. So God takes pleasure in us and we're created in His image and likeness. So we are to be having pleasure in Him. But now that I have pleasure in status and prestige and money and, and influence and food and sex and this and that, and that's become the source of my pleasure, it's a substitution. Those things aren't bad either. They've become like, they've become like an evil scapegoat. And we, we've, we've, we've demonized them. Whereas those things aren't bad. It's the substitution. It's taking pleasure in those things instead of taking pleasure in God. Who takes pleasure in you? You know the best proof of these? Jesus says to his disciples, it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He wants to give us and he wants to give you and he wants to give me the kingdom. But he wants to glorify you in it. So you and I have to do something. Otherwise, God would be a liar. Sometimes, sometimes, you know, like we love our children so much, right? And uh, they're struggling with like an art project or something. And then so we go and we help them out, you know, and it goes kind of from like an art project to like, like a 3D sci-fi AutoCAD, whatever, right? You know, and then the grade two kid is walking into class with their thing, you know, that their parents stayed up all night till morning doing, right? You know? And it's just unbelievable that this grade two kid did this AutoCAD, you know, real new, you know, real to life representation of, you know, whatever, Harry Potter, I don't know. It's just not, you know, you can't give credit to the kid anymore. You can't because it just, it just doesn't fit. The kid didn't do anything. The kid was sleeping in bed all night. We all know that, right? God wants to give you the gold star. He wants to give us the A+. He wants to give us. But we've got to do something so that He can give it to us. He wishes to give us the glory. He, is, he has thousands and tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of legions of angels praising Him day and night. He doesn't need more praise. He, yes, that doesn't mean we shouldn't praise Him. That's a whole other story, why we should praise him, although he is already praised. But the point is this, is God is delighted to take from his glory and give to you, like with a shovel, with a bulldozer, not an eyedropper. But we've got to do something. 
A beautiful representation of this is in the litany of the sacrifices. This is a prayer which is prayed during raising of incense, matins or matins, always matins, raising of incense, if the oblations are present. So suppose in the olden days, people would bring the bread, they would bring the wine. So suppose the, the priests and the deacons had started to pray before they had brought the gifts. The prayer would not be prayed then. Then the prayer would be prayed the, pray, the priest would pray it silently before the acts. The deacons will notice sometimes it takes me forever to get to the act circuit. That's because I have to pray this prayer in addition, right? On the weekday liturgies, we always pray this prayer before the acts and not during matins. On feasts and Sundays, we always pray it in matins if the oblations are present. Why? Because we're thanking God for the oblations. So if they're not here, what are we thanking him for? The Orthodox Church is not, uh, it's not like, you know, it's not like uh, Simon says, you know what I mean? Like just random. No, our rituals are representative of, of our daily life. And we're thanking God for the oblations, the, the, the gifts, the sacrifices, the things people have brought for us by which we can worship. What are we thanking him for? The sacrifices, the offerings, the first fruit, the oil, the incense, the coverings of reading books and the altar vessels that Christ our God may reward them in heavenly Jerusalem. The deacon prays that part. Then the priest prays and he says, receive all of these things on your holy rational altar in heaven as a sweet savor of incense before your greatness in the heavens. As you receive the gifts of the righteous Abel, the sacrifice of our father Abraham, and the two mites of the widow, so also receive the thank offerings of your servants. And it goes on. The prayer is really beautiful. It says, those who offered and those who desired to offer but could not afford puts them in the same category. Lord, bless them. Bless them how? Give them the incorruptible instead of the corruptible. Give them the heavenly instead of the earthly. Give them the eternal instead of the temporal. Like they gave, they gave the temporal. They gave the earthly. They gave the thing which is going to perish. Give them the imperishable, O Lord. Okay, so he's going to give me all this stuff in heaven and I'm just going to rot on earth? No. And their houses and their storehouses, keep them always full and send your angels and archangels. And at that point, the priest comes out and he offers incense to the whole congregation. Usually there's like two people here, but I pretend like everybody's here anyways, right? And offers incense to the whole congregation saying there's their houses and their storehouses May they always be filled. Surround them, O Lord, by our holy angels and archangels. The liturgical texts, the scriptures, the gospels, the fathers are all testifying to us that it is the deep desire of the heart of God to give us. But he wants us to put our hand with him. Why? So we can be glorified. So we can be glorified. I want to tell you, I was so motivated in my prayer life a while ago when I was reading a book called The Orthodox Prayer Life by Father Matthew the Poor. Where Father Matthew, God rest his soul, makes it so clear that it is God who is inviting us to pray. 
Prayer is an action of God and a reaction of humankind. Prayer is not something that I do, but to, some, to which something I respond. It wasn't proper English, but you understood what I meant. Prayer is my response to... Even prayer is a grace from God. Even our fasting, Lent, is a grace from God. Jesus fasted for us. So we say, I will fast with you, Jesus. See, most of us think it's the other way around. I'm fasting for God. No. He fasted for us and is inviting us to fast with Him during which time it is highly probable that we will be tempted with him and in temptation he was victorious and he wishes for us to be victorious with him god is so gracious so kind i'm going to just share with you one quote from saint isaac the syrian about about prayer May God inflame your heart and mine to stop looking at the horizontal plane, to stop looking at the horizon which is in front of us, and to start looking vertically. Everything has a horizontal plane and a vertical plane. May I begin to see the vertical plane in the things of my life, in my work, in my marriage, in my children, in my friendships, in my relationships, in, in, in the people that I work with, in the people that live by me, my neighbors, and in the store owner where I go buy my groceries. May I see that it's, there isn't just a horizontal plane. <laughs> Friday, I'm at Costco, right? Uh, you know, I got there at like, 9.30, they open at 10. I'm like, I'm going to be the first person in line. I needed to buy two things and I didn't want to wait in line for 16 hours, right? So I'm carrying my two things and I run to the cash and this guy out of nowhere comes with a shopping cart, like intercepts me. And I was like, dude, you could see me. Like you could see that like, I'm like one step away from the conveyor belt. Like what planet do you live on? And in my head, I was cursing him. And it became aware to me, I became aware of the fact that I'm probably going to be standing there for about another five or seven minutes. And it's up to me. And no one should be allowed to take this away from me. This is my choice. Whether I'm going to stand there and curse him in my head for five or seven minutes, or if I'm going to bless him and pray that God give him the best day ever. Man, that guy must be in a rush to have nearly killed me with a shopping cart. You know? He must be, you know? Like, this is an abnormal behavior. When people behave in weird ways, it's because something weird is going on in their life, right? So God bless him. Help him with what's going on weird in his life. Maybe somebody's sick. Maybe he's got some last-minute event he's planning for. Maybe whatever. I just didn't want to wait in line, right? I was just wanted to use my time in other ways. But this guy, maybe he's got something big going on. Maybe I should... Up to me. There's a horizontal plane... And there's a vertical plane. Lord, inflame our hearts to make this, this month, this coming month, a month where we look on the vertical plane before we look on the horizontal plane. St. Isaac says, Prayer heartens the conscience, invests the mind with power, strengthens one's hope, 
fires one's confidence. Thus is man made able to withstand the tribulations and evils of this world. For when he compares them with the glorious things he is to inherit, he can defy torture and all manner of affliction. A little further he says, Prayer guides man to heaven. It disdains the love of this world. By prayer we draw to grace, which is termed the kingdom of heaven. And once we feel it exists, we forget earth and all that belongs therein. All we remember is our invisible, powerful helper. May God give you and me to begin to see the spiritual realities, the kingdom of heaven opened before us, the good pleasure of our Father to give us the kingdom of heaven through our work, through our homes, through our marriages, through our children, through our friendships, through our relationship with the guy at the grocery store, through all of these things. May God open our eyes to show us that these also are a door wide open to the kingdom of heaven. May, may our, our hearts begin to ascend a little bit and like lodge, dislatch from this earth and the earthly things and what am I going to eat and what am I going to wear and what am I going to, what am I going to, to look upwards to heaven, to see the kingdom of heaven open towards us, the good pleasure of our Father to give us the incorruptible instead of the corruptible. Glory be to God forever and ever. And I have sinned. Forgive me, my fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters. Please pray for me.